Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb, and this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology, but then discern how you incorporate that into your family's life. Our ultimate goal is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. All right, so today we have a special edition for you. We're going to be talking about screens and sleep. We have board-certified pediatric psychologist Dr. Margaret Mose in the studio for a special interview discussing the correlation, really, between screens and sleep. We know that the two don't really go hand in hand, but how do we specifically deal with that in our life? We're going to be diving into some of those questions. Ironically, in the news just this week, a new study was published in the journal Pediatrics that suggests that children and youth who are not sleeping enough, which is considered to be 9 to 11 hours a night, and who are using screens more than the recommended time, which is more than two hours, are more likely to act impulsively and make poorer decisions. Now, as a parent, you may read that or hear that and say, well, I didn't need a research article to tell me that. I know my children's are more, my children's more impulsive and they make worse decisions when they're tired and when they've been on a screen. So we know this, but what do we do as parents? How do we bravely tackle this issue of them needing enough sleep, keeping the screens away, keeping them off of the internet and things that can keep them up online. And as I said before, the same holds true for us. How can we as adults implement some better behaviors into our life? So let's jump right into this interview and hear what Dr. Mose has to say. So thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me back. Absolutely. So I have read a lot of articles and I'm sure that you are very versed in them discussing this role of sleep on the development of a child, mm-hmm. um, not only in their ability to learn, to you know, perform general activities, um, but as well causing long-term consequences. Tell me about what, what you have found and the general consensus in research right now of where we are with screens and sleep. So yes, so, so we know that sleep is really important for everybody. Um, it's essentially the body's way of being able to reset and repair and to heal and to make new connections within the brain. When children and adults are not getting the proper amount of sleep, we see real changes in terms of their behavior, their attention, their focus, their memory. Um, What we'll see in children from a school perspective is that when kids are not getting the amount of sleep that they need, um, a lot of their behavior will look very similar to a child who has ADHD. So they will have poor impulse control. They can have um, difficulty with working memory, so remembering what they've been told, difficulty regulating their attention. Um, and oftentimes their their academic grades will be almost an entire standard deviation lower than a child who is getting proper sleep because they wow. just have trouble concentrating and remembering. Mm-hmm. We see that as adults too. If we are not getting proper sleep, we're more irritable often with our families. We have a harder time focusing. We lose our keys more that day. We're just, <laughs> we feel very disorganized and, and discombobulated. That's true across the board add the screens into it. And one of the huge challenges that we're seeing is that particularly for teenagers who often have their own phones or their own iPads or their own computers, these 
devices can be very disruptive for sleep if there are not proper parameters around them. So teens who are getting text messages all throughout the night or Facebook notifications all throughout the night or who are staying up well past bedtime watching Netflix movies or music videos or YouTube or funny cat things. And all of this is often going on in the privacy of their own rooms and then they're not able to get to sleep. And sometimes the challenge becomes what they've figured out is, oh, well, I can't sleep. I'll just get up and watch a show or I'll just, Mm -hmm. you know, do that. I'll listen to a music video or I'll text my friend. But that the light that comes from those screens is really disruptive to the brain in terms of being able to help the brain release enough melatonin and, and help you to go to sleep. So this very thing that they're trying in order to help them go to sleep is in fact making it worse. Right. And so in research is showing that even as young as I saw like two and three, when they're spending time on screens, it's affecting their sleep patterns, yes. their ability to so even take naps as children should. At that yes. Age. So what we recommend to psychologists um, is from a sleep perspective, you don't want to be on a screen for at least an hour before you're going to go to sleep. So that means if, it, if you have a child who's napping, watching a show to wind down for nap time mm-hmm. actually disrupts the sleep cycle. Same thing at bedtime. If the bedtime routine is we'll finish dinner and then we're going to watch a show and then you're going to go to bed, the brain really needs a full hour without that blue light to really be able to mm-hmm. get to sleep. So with little ones, um, if parents come in and are telling me that their kids are having a lot of trouble sleeping, that's one of the first things I ask about is what the sleep routine is. And are we using screens, be it TV or an iPad or you know whatever it may be, and let's eliminate that for an hour before we want that child Mm -hmm. to go to sleep. Um, Same thing for adults. A lot of us, you know, get into bed at night and we pull out our phones and we mindlessly scroll through Facebook or Instagram or we check our email or we do whatever and then we turn it off and we turn off the lights and we lay there and we think, huh, I wonder why I'm not asleep. And it's because our brain is still firing and still Mm -hmm. being, still trying to process all of that light. Right, yeah. Wow, so you had mentioned earlier um, how a child without sleep can look like a child mm-hmm. with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, so regarding, you know, children with ADHD can already have a difficult time Absolutely. sleeping. And we know that the screen can contribute to ADHD. Mm-hmm. So when we tie it all together, um, you know, what are we, what are we really looking at? Is, um, is ADHD being caused you know, somewhat by lack of sleep and the screens and tie that all together for us? That's a great question. So we have seen ADHD levels explode in the last 20 years. Now, whether that's because we're better at diagnosing it than we were mm-hmm. 20 years ago, whether that's because we're exposed to so many more screens than we were 10 years ago, um, it's hard to know. It's a little bit of the chicken or the egg. What I do whenever a family comes in to see me who has questions about ADHD, and usually that's where it starts is, I think my child has ADHD. And so we do an evaluation. And one of the very first things I ask about as part of that evaluation is sleep. Separate from screens, I ask about screens too, but I'm very specific about how much sleep is your child getting? What does the bedtime routine look like? Once they're asleep, are they staying asleep? And has this changed compared Mm -hmm. to when they were little? So some families will come in and say, my child was never a great sleeper. Others will say, well, they were a great sleeper, and now we're really seeing these kinds of problems. Typically, what I will recommend, whether a child has clear ADHD or not, is a sleep intervention from the very beginning Mm -hmm. if sleep is something. That's an easy question to answer if we can get sleep looking better. And then we see some of those behaviors and attention difficulties improving. Well, if we have a child who has ADHD, that's a great advantage for them. If we have a child who doesn't have ADHD, 
but has a lot of those same symptoms and they resolve when we have sleep under better control, well, that's great. Then we've avoided having to do a medication that may or may not have been necessary for this child in the first place. So they definitely do play together. We know that kids with ADHD have trouble sleeping, but then it's our duty as caregivers to be able to give them as many tools as possible to minimize as much disruption as sleep and to make sleep a priority you know, no matter what. Right. So, so really what I'm hearing you say is that we as parents can really save a trip to you first. Yes. <laughs> if we think our child may have um, an attention deficit or, you know, hyperactivity, that sort of disorder, really by resetting their sleep, making sure that that is taken care of first and, yes. see, and then evaluating whether or not there are improvements. Right. Because that, that is such an easy thing. Well, I take that back. Yeah. <laughs> Getting children, to, with that. <laughs> getting children to sleep can actually be very difficult. Yes, it can be. Um, it is exhausting as a parent. You just want to like crash out when, yes. when the process is done. Um, I know for me, you know, trying to get six down and, as teenagers <laughs> is like, you know, a, a huge feat. Um, so, you know, as parents, uh, you know, as we work to set our own children's sleep schedule, our yes. role modeling of this, you know, and this is brave parents' stances, right? We want to be the bravest and best role models that we can for mm-hmm. all things mm-hmm. in our children. And so our own sleep patterns and our own sleep habits matter. We may think, as you said, you know, we get into our bed and then we start scrolling or we're still on our laptop or working. And, and I've heard it said so many times, everyone knows you get lost and all of a sudden you're like, yes, I tried to get to bed at 10 and now it's 11 and I've just lost an hour of my sleep. But then because you've looked at a screen for an hour and then you have maybe another hour to try and fall asleep. Exactly. We think that because maybe we're behind a closed door mm-hmm. that the children don't know that we're doing this. And maybe this is the only time because you've put the screen away during the rest of the day, which mm-hmm. I commend you, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but how do we as parents like our own habits are just as important. So what do we need to really know as adults? So I think one of the first things that we have to model as parents is is the importance and priority of rest, that that is really important. Um, So, you know, parents having a a bedtime, and I say that with sort of air quotes, because with our kids, our bedtime, most of the time is sort of a hard and fast, like I need you in bed by whatever time. Mm -hmm. Parents, we have more control over that, but trying to have a regular time that you're going to bed. So, okay, so maybe for a parent, as a parent, you're going to bed at 10 or maybe you're going to bed at 11, but that, okay, so this is when, you know, mom and dad go to bed and then you're waking up at the same time every day, having a regular time to go to sleep and a regular time Mm -hmm. to wake up makes a huge difference in terms of just regulating our sleep cycle. So that's important. And if kids know that you're doing that too, and your bedtime is later because you're older and because you're the parent, you have to put everyone to bed, then it also for them is not, well, this is just a rule just for kids. Nope. Everybody has a bedtime. Mom's bedtime is this. Your bedtime is this. But also having screens as much as possible out of the bedroom. Mm -hmm. So if the family rule is, you know, that we watch a or family habit is we watch a TV after dinner. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then maybe we watch one show and then we turn it off. And then for the next 30 minutes before bed, we're reading books and then we're brushing teeth and we're winding down. Same rule for parents and parents have to hold themselves accountable. But okay, so I'm going to then, if I'm going to bed at 11, I'm going to have my phone put on do not disturb at 10 or at 10, I'm plugging it in in the kitchen and I'm leaving it there and I'm not having it in my room. Um, that's te- like I know I personally use my cell phone as my alarm. So I have where all of my apps and everything turns off at a certain time mm-hmm. every day and it doesn't turn back on until seven. I can still access it if I really want to, but to, yeah. it, mm-hmm. I get this little message that says 
oh, like you're supposed to be off right now, which is a helpful reminder yeah. for me. Um, the other part of that is to also think about what does that phone use or computer use in your bedroom do to your relationship? So if I get into bed and my husband's in bed and we're both on our computers or both on our phones, we're not really talking to each other. We might be, but it's different than if we're both sitting there, you know, reading a book to get like we're each reading a book or, you know, we're talking as we're getting ready for bed. Mm-hmm. So if that's kind of the family motto is we don't have screens in the bedrooms or if it's plugged in as your alarm, it only you only have access to the alarm function and everything else mm-hmm. disappears right. or turns off with some of those apps. Um then you're modeling for the kids. Hey, I'm asking you to do what I'm doing myself. And I know that I feel better when I do these things. And when I'm up all night, you know, scrolling through whatever, then I don't get great sleep. And then I get in bed and I think about all these other things. Right. right. So that really brings, um, I think, it to teenagers. <laughs> so I have many and I know, you know, the struggle to get them in bed. Often, you know, when they hit those like middle school years, staying up is mm-hmm. like... They are like, you know, living. It's a badge they, of honor. <laughs> yeah, it is a badge of honor. I mean, this is like life right here where I don't have to be put to bed. Yeah. You know, for my kids, it is something that they can earn is, you know, a self-designated bedtime. And over summer, I mean, that's really hard though for yes. me because that means my bedtime is affected, but they sure. they love it. And so it's something that they can, you know, maybe earn on the weekends and whatnot. But, you know, so many, really, as soon as they get their smartphone, I hear from so many middle school age, you know, really like 12 and up where these children are keeping their smartphone in the bedroom. Yes. Or they already have a TV in their room or they have a laptop in their room. And to them, I mean, that's a, it's almost a right. It's not really a privilege. It's Mm -hmm. just that I need this. And I think a lot of parents are too afraid Mm -hmm. to set a boundary Mm -hmm. there. And so what we're having is terrible, terrible sleep. I know I have been speaking with a lot of school administrators and I recently spoke with some athletic directors and I asked them what they felt was the biggest impact of screens on their athletes. And they had said sleep Mm -hmm. because these young athletes are not getting even the minimum requirement. You know, maybe they're only getting four, five, six hours of sleep on a school day and then expected to perform athletically. Mm -hmm. So Speak to this and really the importance of that removal mm-hmm. of the phone. So what what we as parents often think about is, oh, okay, well, if, if the phone is in my child's room, they're going to get text messages or things, and that's going to be disruptive. But we don't think about all the other dings and buzzes that happen from the phone. So most kids will get notifications from Facebook, from their email, from Snapchat, text message, from Snapchat, Instagram. from Instagram, from all of these different programs. Mm-hmm. Well, if every single time that happens, let's let's take Snapchat alone. You could get 50 dings, 50 alerts <laughs> in the course of an hour. Well, if your child is asleep, every time that dings, and even if it's on silent, it buzzes. Mm-hmm. So every time there is that noise, it's going to disrupt your child's sleep. There's also an immediacy to cell phones of, oh my goodness, it buzzed. I have to see what it is and I have to respond right away. Even we as parents are terrible about this. Mm-hmm. I'm terrible about this. Mine dings and I think, oh, like somebody's trying to get a hold of me. I better see what it is and I better respond right away. I'm getting better at, okay, I don't need to deal with that now. I can deal with that later. But there's this sense of immediacy. And for teenagers in particular, who are not necessarily the most patient creatures on the planet, there's also this, well, I texted so-and-so and and they didn't get back to me. So I'm going to text again and I'm going to text again. When all we had were landlines, you would never have dreamed of calling your best friend at three in the morning. (laughs) It would not have happened because their parents would have read you the riot act. 
But with the phone, you know, oh, I'm not going to disrupt the parents, you know, and I really need to know what she's going to wear tomorrow. I really need to process this situation with the boyfriend. And there's a sense of immediacy. If we remove the phone from the room, is it going to be difficult? Absolutely. Are we going to have a couple of tough nights and some big emotion about that? Potentially. Mm -hmm. But if everybody's phone is plugged in and put away in a common location, whether that's a place only parents can access or kitchen or whatever, then the sleep after a couple of days really does reset. And even Mm -hmm. when kids have resisted that intervention at the beginning and parents have sometimes resisted that intervention at the beginning, what I have heard many students say to me later is, well, now I'm getting much better sleep or now I'm concentrating Mm -hmm. better. Or parents will say their attitude in the morning is totally different. Yeah. Imagine that for every parent who has a difficult bedtime because you're trying to take away a screen. Fast forward to what if you took it away and that made your morning a hundred times yeah. easier. You're not having to drag your teenager out of bed by their feet, battle with them over breakfast and like shove them in the car and get them to school. If their whole day starts off more peacefully, right. that makes a huge difference as well for yeah. their day. I think as well, you know, as we're, you know, really we're raising adults by the time they hit those last couple of years before mm-hmm. they graduate high school, they have got to learn how to, when they're going to college, they are going to have to get themselves up. And yep. chances are, you know, you can buy them an alarm clock, but they'll probably still use their sure. phone. They have to use that phone for that, but then not get distracted. Right. They've got to be able to do all their schoolwork and get to sleep so they can get to class. I mean, those are all mm-hmm. real life expectations of them yeah. as they continue on in the adult world. And now is the training time when yes. they are in our home still and we can do this. And then we're teaching them how to balance. So we, you know, lots of families are good about trying to put into place screen-free mealtime, for example. Mm-hmm. Nobody has a screen at a meal. Okay. Parents recognize the importance of that, but yet sometimes that falls apart at bedtime. So we're not as good about saying, Hey, when you're sleeping or when you're trying to go to sleep, that's a screen-free time. But yes, this is training ground. This is how we're teaching Mm -hmm. you as a teenager how to be able to monitor yourself so that when you are independently living elsewhere or living in a dorm room, you're able to put your phone on do not disturb at 10 or 11 or, you know, whatever time makes sense and not look at it and not get into that habit of it has to be the last thing I look at when I go to bed. And if I wake up to go to the bathroom at three in the morning, I have to check it and I have to respond to all these text messages and then I have to look at it first thing in the morning. We There's this sense of immediacy now that we didn't have before mm-hmm. with the home phone because the phones are always with us. And we need to teach our kids how to be able to have that balance. Yes. As when do you look and when do you not? Yeah, I think that's important. And how do you self-care? Yes. I mean, because sleep is self-care. Absolutely. It's just as important as brushing your teeth, as mm-hmm. <laughs> fixing your hair. I mean, Absolutely. ultimately, it is, it is such a big part. I think if you, you know, really, if you're just starting with a child with a smartphone mm-hmm. um, or just want to hit a reset button, I think in your home, one of the best things that you can do is establish this time. Yes. It will always be taken up, you know, by nine o'clock, you know, depending on what your bedtime is or eight, you know, and there are so many resources now. Mm-hmm. If you use iPhones, you know, they have screen time, yep. right, you know, built in that you can shut down their apps at a certain time. Mm-hmm. They even have a, like a sort of bedtime yep. associated on the iPhone, Android. There's many apps that will do it for you. So really there's no reason why not to. It does take a little bit of maybe effort, yep. a little bit of maybe pushback as you initiate, you know, hey, this is how the phone is going to be used. But that is such an important standard. And the timing of this is really good too, because with school starting in a couple of weeks, What Mm -hmm. I recommend to families, usually two or three weeks out from the school year, is to have 
a kind of a very casual family meeting of what are our goals for the year ahead. So are there academic goals that we're working towards? Are there athletic goals that we're working towards? Are we looking as a family to scale back how much we're doing? Are we looking to ramp up and do more things? You know, where are we as a family? And, and you know, maybe our goal is with everybody's schedule, we're going to have family dinner X number of nights per week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, have a phone goal. Okay, so moving into the school year, the family goal is going to be everyone turns their phones in at nine o'clock or every, and everyone gets them back, you know, at whatever time or that the phone, if you're going to take it to school is, you know, stays in this pocket of your backpack or, you know, whatever it is. But if you're doing those kinds of, um, sort of school goals or sort of new year's resolutions for the school year, mm-hmm. add a phone goal into that Absolutely. and and hold, have the whole family be accountable to that same standard, um, and hold each other accountable. So if, if hey, if mom pulls her phone out and it's nine fifteen and the turn in time is nine, that's right. And the kid can say, oh, oh, you're breaking the rules. Like you were supposed to turn it in at nine. That's great. Everybody then is holding each other accountable, and you can make it a fun family project as opposed to this parent versus child battle. I think that's a a big part is when you give permission to your children to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. They feel um not as bad from you holding them accountable. We know that our children need us to help them navigate this ubiquitous screen that Mm -hmm. controls their life. They, they need us. But oftentimes, you know, we act as though we don't need any accountability. Right. And we do. And there is really no one better than our spouse and our children to help us do that, you know, Mm -hmm. to sort of pull us from this rabbit hole we might get, you know, sort of stuck in while our children and our husband are kind of just waiting for us. We're just on our screen doing our thing. <laughs> um, you know, I have given permission to my own children. You know, we talk about media multitasking. Mm-hmm. If you are watching a movie or watching a movie as a family, you really shouldn't be on our phones. Right. I mean, we're, that that's family time and we're watching one thing. We're not going to media multitask. And I've been called out, you know, by my children. <laughs> like, And I'm texting like... You know, grandma or someone right. trying to coordinate something like what I would feel, you know, it's important and I'm doing it to, you know, for the family's sake, but they're like, mom, you know, yeah. why are you on your phone and watching this movie? And so, but because I, you know, and I apologize, you are absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this, if that text could avoid it, you know, we move it, I move my phone to a different room because yeah. if it's on me, I'm going to feel that temptation mm-hmm. and that immediacy to just let me go ahead and knock this out and respond to this text and yeah. and that's it. But really it's about being present, mm-hmm. being aware of what we're doing and how we might be neglecting the important things such as relationships, but even sleep. Yes. And I love your example because then you're also modeling for your children an appropriate response when somebody calls you out. Yes. You're right. I'm sorry. Let me go put this away. I'm assuming you didn't fall on the floor and yell and scream and, <laughs> you know, talk about no. how unfair your children were. But that is a really, like that is, that we're also modeling that. If we give per, our children permission to call us out on yes. things, we're also then given the opportunity to show them, oh, you're right. And I, I apologize. I'm taking responsibility for my behavior and here's how I'm going to correct it. And even for stuff like that. So for family movie night or, you know, family dinner. Have a have a basket and all the phones go in the basket right. in a different room because that's the other part is if you're at dinner and they're all on the kitchen counter and every time it dings, the whole family stops and it's like, who do you think that was? Like, you know, was that so-and-so? But that just becomes part of the family routine. And these things are never easy to put in place if it's different from what you've been doing. But once it becomes a habit, then it just becomes everybody's routine. Right. And then you're also teaching them, hey, when we're in a restaurant, we're not all pulling our phones out, you know, mm-hmm. or with your when you're with your friends and you're watching a movie. You're not pulling your phone out. Right. You know, you're being present in that moment. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So the last things that um, you know I want to touch on with the sleep, I also have seen in research where some of the, especially in our young girls, um, but even boys, some of what they believe is maybe some of the source of this anxiety, mm-hmm. some of the source of this depression, isn't all social media and the interactions that they're having on social media, but could also be stemming from sleep. Mm-hmm. We know that we when we don't get the proper sleep, we emotionally are more dysregulated. And by that, what I mean is we're we're more irritable, we're more emotional, we're quicker to get sad or we're quicker to get anxious. Anybody who's had a new baby has had this experience where you've yeah. not slept and you, you know, you're stressed out. Yeah. Um, I had one parent who even said to me once, there's a reason that sleep deprivation is a form of torture, you know, in some places, because it is so difficult to be able to function as, as a, yeah, as a normal human <laughs> being when you're exhausted. Well, so if you take our teenagers and, and our girls in particular, but our boys too, and they have all these hormone changes that are happening biologically and they're not getting great sleep and being a teenager is hard. hard. There's a yeah. lot of pressure academically, athletically, socially. It's a lot. We need that sleep time to reset mm-hmm. and to just really feel like, okay, I can handle, we can handle everything so much better on a good night's sleep mm-hmm. than we can, you know, if we're deprived. And when we look at preschoolers, they have an emotional meltdown and almost every parent universally will say, oh, you're tired. We should put you to bed. <laughs> we have a teenager who has a meltdown and we're like, huh, wow, where did that come from? Teenagers. Well, maybe you know, they're we tired <laughs> and maybe they, well, they need to go to bed earlier or, you know, wow, like you've seemed really irritable the last couple of days. Maybe we should think about going to bed earlier. Maybe we need to turn your phone in. You know, those kinds of things, we we forget that context with teenagers because we it's think true. of them as as kind of having sailed through that and now it's it's just life. It is, but life is easier to handle if you're rested. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny because you know I know if my kids have a sleepover somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know that the next day I'm in for attitude. Yep. I mean, I just, it's almost like a given and I just kind of brace myself. I even warn them, hey, you know, we're going to watch your attitude because you probably didn't get that much sleep last night. Yep. And I'm, I'm totally prepped for it because I know they're not going to get very much mm-hmm. sleep. You know, if they're sleeping here or they're sleeping there, but there's a friend there. Um, but it, that's a really good point is, you know, we sort of forget and we just kind of ball that all into this teenager, mm-hmm. oh, this teenage angst and, and all of that. And we just assume, a lot of us assume that they're going to bed and they are getting sleep. But I think really looking into that, how much mm-hmm. sleep are they getting? Is the screen being a distraction? Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other distractions in the room? Right. Maybe it's not necessarily a screen. Maybe it's a pet or, right. know, I mean, just the lights that Sibling, they have. In, I mean, yeah. Like parents, kids sharing a room. Yeah. So there could be a lot of reasons. And really, yeah, when we look at if your child is having trouble with attention, if they are irritable and anxious and maybe emotionally, you're just like, wow, what is going on? Looking at, hey, where where's the sleep? You know, mm-hmm. how are we doing on the sleep? That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Definitely a great take home for parents. Yes. And I would encourage all parents, if school is starting in a couple of weeks, this is the time to start getting mm-hmm. back into that school routine because we all know that that first week of school Kids are tired, you know, even when they're getting great sleep, it is a long day after summer off. So this is a good time to start putting some of those things in place. Absolutely. So would you suggest if maybe kids had more screen time over summer than starting like a waning down process? Mm -hmm. Yes. 
right now started. <laughs> yes, hands down. Well, so what I would say is they, they do have a couple weeks left of summer, but I would just start to dribble on them a little bit about, okay, so school is starting. And remember mm-hmm. that when school starts, our screen policy is this. And so we're going to start putting that in place where we're going to start, you know, maybe we're already turning screens in at a certain time of day, but, you know, our screen time is now going to be just in the morning or we need to start, you know, wrapping it up sooner in the day or, you know, it's our last couple of weeks of summer. So we need to be outside more while we can because we're going to be in a classroom right. eight hours a day and starting to put some of those yeah. limits in place. I know that we start, you know, right now if the you know, the kids can, can stay up late. We start weaning them down, getting mm-hmm. closer to that school's closer to bedtime. bedtime. You know, mm-hmm. that way it's not such a shock to go, you know, wake up at six in the morning, you know, that, yes. that we've weaned them back down. So even just 10 or 15 minutes a day, changing the yeah. amount of time can make a huge difference. And then it, it, you're exactly right. It's not this huge shock to the system two awesome. days before school starts. Yeah. <laughs> This was such great advice. I know I felt like I even learned some extra <laughs> tips and tools. So thank you, You're Dr. Welcome. Mose. Thank this you for awesome. having me. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed learning more about screens and sleep from Dr. Mose. If you want more information or have any questions about what we talked about on today's show, email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. If you want to learn more about building character in kids using this technology that they love, get our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. And if you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, please go ahead and give us a rating and subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any of our episodes. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media and every child deserves a parent willing to set a new standard. Thanks. Until next time, go and be brave.